welcome to everyone this morning, however you've joined us here this morning, and uh, a very big welcome to you. We're especially welcome the campers, so good to have you with us here this week. And uh, what I'm really wanting to know is how the water fight went yesterday. It was good. It was good, good. And did, did the leaders get a good soaking? That's good, well done, good. Well look, we're really good to have you, good to have you here this week, and the weather forecast is looking good as the week goes on, so, so stick with it, hopefully you'll have some dry, sunny weather coming up this week. And I know that the leaders have got some great things to tell you from the Bible, so listen up and pay attention at those times. Really good to take in what God's Word has to say to us. So have a great week. And also, we're really pleased to have James and Rachel, the Swansons, back together once again, uh, united as a family. And so we hope you have a great break, great rest, and a big welcome to everyone who's here. Good to be here. Good to see you. Uh, just a couple of notices. There's a prayer meeting for camp planned for Wednesday evening. It's on Zoom. Uh, details of that are on the bulletin. And then if any of you are around Saturday morning at 11 o'clock to help take down the tents, um, that would be greatly appreciated to have some help with that if you're available next Saturday at 11 a.m. Well, we've met here this morning to worship God. Uh, and uh, we're going to do that in our first him as we stand up to sing, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. It's really a prayer asking that God will, will make himself that our main aim, our main goal in life, that our life will be full of him and how he wants us to live. So let's pray this as we stand and sing this, and then Josh will come up to uh, read the Bible for us. Thank you.
Morning, everyone. So the reading is Psalm 49. You've got just a second to get there in your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen. Uh, This is what John will be explaining for us later, uh, teaching from. So we'll look forward to that. Lord, I just pray that you'll speak to us and that you would help us understand your word, even as it is read, uh, and especially uh, later on as John um, preaches it to us. Amen. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man in his pomp, splendor, will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish, This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd. And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, It's like the beasts that perish. Thank you, Josh. Good. Okay, well, look, this morning I want us to have a think. Children, are you looking this way? Okay, good, good. And um, actually, lots of you, lots of them are on holiday, but uh, we've got big children here as well, so that's good. this morning I want to think about some uh, holiday destinations. And um, I don't know if you're travelling on holiday, but you can often tell, can't you, um, what people are going to be doing on their holiday. Perhaps you're driving on the road, um, and uh, perhaps you see a vehicle and it's got some kayaks strapped to the roof, all loaded up with luggage. And uh, you know, they're probably going to spend a lot of time doing water sports. They're going to be in the water. Um, or perhaps they're going on a biking holiday. They're going to be going somewhere where they can, one of the main activities, they're going to be biking. Um, or it's quite obvious this one, isn't it? You're going to be staying in there. That's going to be their home for the week, uh, or however long they're going for. That's they're going to live in a caravan. And um, 
And so you can quite often see what people are, are doing. And if you were to look in their luggage as well, you could uh, sometimes tell um, sometimes where they're going, what kind of things they're going to be doing. Um, well, anywhere in the UK, really. Um, we'll need one of these, won't we? So uh, we're not going far with that one. Um, or perhaps we're going to... Somebody's got this in their, in their suitcase. They're expecting some sun. Perhaps they're going somewhere hot in the world, some sunscreen. Um, maybe they've got their swimming shorts, so perhaps they're going by the beach or to a hotel where there's a pool. What about if they had these? Be going on a, a walking holiday, doing lots of walking with those. Or if you had one of these, well, this would be quite clear. We don't need this for this, this country. Passport. And uh, basically the Queen says, this person in here, let them come into your country. So I can go anywhere in the world if I've got a passport. So if someone's got one of those, perhaps they're going on a plane, perhaps they're going on a boat, uh, maybe they're going on a Sahari, uh, safari even, um, holiday, and they're going to Africa. Um, and, um, well, perhaps they'll need some of these, some COVID tests. They'll need that pretty much wherever they go. Uh, but I want to think, I want you to see if you can guess uh, a different uh, destination. I've not really got anything to show you, actually. Um, so you're going to have to try and guess from what I'm saying. Um, so I'm not going to need any luggage at all with me. Um, don't need anything. Don't need any money because actually it's already been paid for me, so that's really good. Um, and it's an all-inclusive destination. So everything I need when I get there is going to be provided for me. Um, I won't need this because there's no COVID there. Uh, in fact, there's no illness at all. There's no sadness. There's no death. It sounds like a really good destination, doesn't it? And what else is there? Well, everything is new. Everything is good. Everything is perfect. There's lots of people are going to be there, and I'm going to know some of them. Lots of people I won't know. But even though there's such a great big crowd, everyone will be kind to each other. There'll be no arguments, no sadness, no disputes, no problems. And you know sometimes when you're on holiday, you say, oh, I'd just love to stay here. Do we have to go home? Well, I'm never going to have to come back here. Because it's actually going to turn out to be my new home. I'm not going to go there by car or plane. The journey is my life. And when I come to the end of my life, I will reach that destination. And um, I expect you've probably guessed what I'm talking about. I'm talking about heaven and what it is to go and be with Jesus. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. But you know what the greatest thing about heaven is not all the things I've mentioned. The greatest thing about heaven is the king who lives there, King Jesus. And um, he's such a good and kind and gracious king. Because I never did anything to deserve to get a place in heaven. I've never done anything good enough to get there. I've ignored God so many times. I've disobeyed what he said. And... uh, I'm banished, really, from there, except for what the king has done for me. He is so kind and so great that he left that wonderful place. He came to this earth, and do you know how much it cost to get me a place in heaven? It cost him his life. He laid down his life so that I could be let into heaven. And um, that is amazing love. And um, so if you've not really heard much about heaven before, or maybe when we think about heaven, um, it can, we can start asking lots of questions, can't we? Loads and loads of questions. And I've just got two. 
All right, that I want us to just quickly think about. Because is it really too good to be true? Is it, we can't really see heaven? We can't, how do I know uh, that heaven is real? How do I know that heaven is real? That's a good question to ask. Because we don't want to trust in fairy tales, do we? Or things that aren't true. And there are just two answers, there's lots of answers. But everything I've told you about heaven is written in the Bible. So it's not my imagination or my thinking. It's in the Bible. And everything that's in the Bible that you're holding in front of you or whatever you're in your Bible is true. How do we know that? Because it's what God has said. And do you know one of the great things about God, and I always love this, about God's character, God cannot lie because he is the God of truth. So that means everything he's said, everything he's written, we can trust to be true. And I think that's great. And another thing is that Jesus said this, and I can't read that far away. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet he will live. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved to us, he said, I have to have the power to break death. And I have the ability to give life to anyone who puts their trust in me. Okay, so we can be sure that heaven is real. What about the second question? So you might be thinking, okay, well, perhaps it's real, but how do I get there? Okay, because not all of us are going to heaven in this world. So it would be a great question to ask, how can I get there, wouldn't it? It would be a really important question to ask. And um, really, it's quite simple. Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son, whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. So it's not by being really good. It's not by trying to make up for all the wrong things we've done. It's not by being born in a certain part of the world or in a certain kind of family or doing really really well in life. It's people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And elsewhere in the Bible it says that we have to repent. That means turn away from our sin and turn to God and follow him. And he does everything else. He's paid for it all. And he invites all of us to go to heaven through putting our trust in Jesus and following him. But this verse has got another part to it. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath or the anger of God remains on him. That focuses our attention a bit, doesn't it? Because not everybody goes to heaven. Only those who put their trust in Jesus. Why is God angry with people who don't believe in his son? Well, God has made a way to rescue us. He left heaven and came to earth, like I said, gave up his life at great cost. No wonder he's angry with people who reject his son. So do think about that. And I'm sure you have other questions if you're on camp. Ask the leaders. Sure, they'd be really happy to answer some of your questions and talk. You'll have lots of opportunities to talk this week about that. And just really finally, really quickly, the rest of us here, just are you, are you going to heaven? Um, are, are you on the, the road to heaven? And um, this is going to be really obvious what I'm going to say, but um, I'm not sure how much we think about it. That Today, this Sunday, we've never been as close to being with Jesus as we ever have been before. And I don't think we think about that often enough. We get so settled in on the journey, don't we? When perhaps we should be a bit more like the annoying children in the back who keep asking, are we nearly there yet? To have that anticipation and hope of being with Jesus. And uh, that's a great thing. And uh, we're going to sing 
uh, stand up now, sing another song. And uh, it really gets us to think about the question, where are you going on your journey in life? Are you going to heaven? Where are you traveling each day? So let's sing. days that God has numbered. I was made to walk with him, yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the King of Kings. But mine is hope in my Redeemer. Though I fall, his love is sure, for Christ has paid for every failing. I am his forevermore. Lord God, how we thank you if we are your children this morning. What a great blessing it is to be a Christian. What a great blessing it is to know that we are going to heaven. It is something that we uh, don't need to be unsure about, but that we can have full confidence, not in ourselves, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has paid for his people to get to heaven. And yet, Lord, we confess that so often we're taken up with worldly treasure. We cling to what is fleeting from us. Oh Lord, forgive us. And I pray this morning will be a time when, uh, as your people, we will be refocused on the future. Help us to live in the light of what is ahead of us. Lord, that will focus how we live our Christian lives. That as you have saved us to live godly and holy lives before you, Lord, we will strive to please you in our lives to live for you, to honour you, and to tell others that they need to know you too. Lord, help us to hold this life with a loose grasp. Help us to lay hold of what is ahead of us. And Lord, prepare us for that day. And Lord, if we do not know you this morning, Lord, I pray that you will call us into your kingdom. Lord, that you'll open our eyes to, to see the truth 
of the Bible. Help us to remember that our lives are so short and that one day we must face you. Thank you that you've done everything for us. Lord, please give us the gift of faith and repentance that we may turn from our sin and put our trust in Christ. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. And Lord, we ask that as it is preached today, we pray for every preacher, every Bible study leader, every Sunday school teacher, every missionary, every person who seeks to share their faith. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will will be powerfully at work bringing to life the words of the gospel into those who are hard-hearted, to those who are lost. Lord, we, we pray for this world. There is a great famine, not of bread, not of water, not at least in this country, but there is a famine of hearing God's word. People's eyes are closed to the truth. And so, Lord, would you, in a mighty way, powerfully work through your gospel, shine your light into the darkness, Lord, we pray. Lord, we thank you that we can be together here this morning. We thank you so much for camp, that it's been able to go ahead this year. And uh, we thank you for everyone who's managed to be here. Lord, we pray that you'd uh, be with them this week. Lord, we ask that you will uh, give them a good weather throughout this week. We pray that you'll keep them safe in the activities they're doing. We pray that we'll have a happy time together. And Lord, we especially pray that as they come to uh, listen to the Bible, that you'd help those who are doing the talks, help the leaders this week to clearly teach from the Bible. Lord, we pray that this would be a time of thoughtfulness and of knowing more about God. Lord, we pray too for those who've gone on beach mission. We think of um, Ed and Ben and Josh Hitchcock too. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them, make them useful this week and give them a time that builds them up in their Christian lives and um, is a good experience for them. You'll make them a blessing with those who they meet with. Lord, we pray for others who are on holiday at the moment. Lord, we ask that you'd give them a good rest from their normal daily lives. Lord, that you'll refresh them and revive them. We thank you, Lord, for James and Rachel being able to be over here with Jacob and together with Leah and Noah. We pray that we'll have some really good times together uh, in the next few weeks of rest, of guarded family time together. And Lord, we ask that you'll revive them and strengthen them and refresh them and bless them. We pray for the work they've left behind in Cyprus. We ask those who are leading will be helped through the the strain and the, the struggle of the heat this time of year. And Lord, we ask that there'll be great encouragements through the church, through the English-speaking and Turkish-speaking church there. Lord God, we pray for each other. We know that as we journey through this life, we meet with many struggles, many difficulties, many trials, many temptations, many weaknesses. And Lord, we pray that you will strengthen us. We pray that as your people, we will even count it joy when we go through trials, knowing that you are strengthening our faith, that you are making us more like Jesus. But nonetheless, help us, Lord. Give us strength to trust in you first rather than ourselves. Help us where we need to wait patiently for the Lord, for his answer when our prayers aren't immediately answered. 
Help us to remember that your plans for us are far higher than we could ever imagine and that your will for us is good. Lord, we thank you that we have your word here this morning and we pray you'd help John as he preaches from this psalm. Give us understanding. Lord, we ask that your word will change our hearts. We offer thanks to you, Lord, for all your love and kindness toward us and especially through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, before John preaches from that psalm, we're going to stand and sing, All I Once Held Dear. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. Well, I have a question for you to think about 
this morning, let's put it up at the start, is life about getting or about God? Is life about getting or about God? Getting money and what it can buy. A smarter phone, a cool skateboard, a new subscription to more films, a new outfit or two, chocolates and sweets stored in your room, the latest game for your Switch or your Xbox, trip to a theme park, a bigger house, more holidays, a higher spec car, Getting, or God, the living God, the one who made us, the one who sees us, the one who daily fills our life with good things, the one who gives every breath that we take, the one who has given us his word, the one who has sent his son into this world, the only one who can save the person we have to answer to, our judge. Is life about getting or about God? There is a place for getting. So I had a birthday not long ago and I got things. I got books, I got running shoes, I got chocolates, I got a new cagoule, I got some money which I'm looking forward to spend, I got a head torch, I got some clothes and I got other things. I like getting them. I'm looking forward to using them. The Bible said God gives us all things richly to enjoy. I'd be a hypocrite if I said I don't like getting. There is a place for getting. But the question is, is life mainly about getting or about God? Which should be our main concern, our main aim? What should we see as most important, getting or God? Which should we put our confidence in, getting things or God? Which which should we be most pleased to have in our life? Getting or God? We're going to be looking this morning at a psalm that will help us to think through this. It's a, a song in the Bible, it's Psalm 49. If you have Bibles, you might want to have it open in front of you. And the singer has got an important message. He wants you to listen. In fact, who does he want to listen? Look at the first verse. He wants everyone to listen. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. He wants you to point your ear this way. He wants you to wants you to be leaning forward to take in what's going to be said. You think I'm too important to listen to this stuff. I'm too unimportant for this to be a message for somebody like me. I'm too old and I've seen it all. I'm too young to worry about this. I've got lots to occupy my mind. I've got nothing. 
All of you, listen, verses 1 and 2. Hear this, all peoples give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. The writer of this song is a wise guy. He's got something to say worth listening to. This is not just uh, hot air, this is not just a rant, this is not just a boring lecture. He's going to tell us about things which will make a difference to our hearts, to our lives, to our eternities. Verses 3 and 4. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. The main thing he wants us to think about is, is life about getting or about God? The song talks about those who seem to have who seem to have it all. I remember when I was at secondary school, uh, um, I had a friend or acquaintance, somebody else who was in the school, and uh, he had a big garden. And there was a swimming pool in his garden or grounds, and he had a tractor, and those who went to his house were able to have drive the tractor around the grounds. This was a, a big thing. He was a friend to have. I'm afraid I never got on well enough with him to have an invite to his house, but he was somebody who was well off, and the others knew about it. And when we have people that have lots, somehow we feel that they're better than us. We'd like to be like them, We feel overshadowed by them. And you know that's true. So if a famous person came in here this morning, it's hard for us not to be in awe, isn't it? So as it happens, imagine Jack Grealish. He must be pretty wealthy. If they paid 100 million for him, he must pocket a fair bit and his salary would be several million a year. And he's holidaying on Ashdown Forest and he was at the back here. You'd feel differently about that, wouldn't you? Or if Princess Kate came in, or if Lord Sugar, or if the ac- actor Emma Watson was here. We'd feel different. It'd be different from if Joe from Harecombe Estate was in here. Or if Terry from, from Jarvis Brook was here. It would feel different. We'd stand in awe. We'd be very conscious of them. Uh, we, we wouldn't speak to them the same. Uh, afterwards, we tell people that they were here. We, we'd have a sense of awe about people that are well-off and famous and rich. And sometimes we can feel a bit threatened by them, a bit intimidated, a bit inferior, a bit overshadows. Uh, sometimes, not saying those individuals, but sometimes those who are wealthy and well-off They can use their power and their contacts to make life difficult. They exploit, they they bully, they cheat sometimes their way to the top. And they seem to be able to get away with it because they're so wealthy. And it seems like this is what's going through the mind of the person who wrote this song. He's realised he shouldn't be frightened because he says, verse 5, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? That's why he says later in verse 17, 
16, be not afraid when a man becomes rich. He's thinking about feeling inferior and looking up to, thinking they're much better off, almost envying them. But this song helps us to see things in the way we should see them. Helps us to realise we shouldn't be frightened, overshadowed, inferior, especially if we know God and God is central to our lives. Now I'd like to go through some of the detail of this psalm, but um, I'm conscious it's a camp Sunday, I'm going to keep it a bit simpler, a bit shorter, and I want to pick out three main things that come out of this psalm which help us in thinking about this question, is life for us about getting or about God? And the first is this, getting can't save, getting can't save. Verse 7 and 8, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. So sometimes um, you can rescue people with money. There was a few years ago a, a, a period where there were so pirates, don't think of skull and crossbones, but, but pirates who, in the area of the Gulf who were, um, who were, were catching people on boats and then they were saying, the rich people and saying, you've got to pay this sort of money in order for them to be released, 100,000 and they knew they were rich, 100,000 was paid, that's the ransom money, the people got free and they were freed because of the money that they had. You can do things with money. But money can't save. You can't save yourself or anyone else from your sins with your money. You may have lots of savings. You may get the best phone. You may have the biggest house in town. You may have the coolest skateboard. You may have a stunning outfit. But these things will not save you. They just can't. However good they are, whatever you get cannot save you from your sins. Our big problem is that we're not right with God. We've done wrong. We're guilty. We need to be forgiven. We need to be saved. And your money is hopeless. And the things that you've got in your house are hopeless at that. Money cannot buy forgiveness and salvation and make you right with God. That's a pretty big problem with something, isn't it? If that's your focus in life. It can't save you from death, ultimately. You've got lots of money, you might be able to get the best best doctors, give yourself a few extra years, but money can't save you from death. Verse 10 in this song tells us this, For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish. They leave their wealth to others. I remember speaking to a nurse who was a nurse in accident and emergency in Eastbourne. And uh, that day he had had uh, come into the accident and emergency department a famous actor from James Bond films. And the man had had a heart attack and I can't remember the outcome, but I'm fairly sure he died. So there was somebody rich and famous, and he said, and there he was, in front of me, suffering, dying. His money couldn't save him. I think of another fellow, uh, another 
preacher who preaches in East Anglia and uh, near his house there was the house of somebody who was rich and famous in those days. He was into the Guinness Book of Records and there used to be a television programme about the Guinness Book of Records. His name was Norris McWhorter. had a big house, he had big grounds and then he died. And this person was just saying that the house he walked past, you know, so big and grand and yet the man had gone. Can't save you from death. Put in all your time and effort into things which can't save you from death. The psalm here says that we're like animals. In some ways the Bible makes clear we're very different from animals. But in one way we're like animals. I don't know if you notice any animals in the psalm. As we go into the middle talks about the beasts, man in his pomp, his glory, doing so well it seems, will not remain. He is like the beasts, the animals that perish. Verse 14, like sheep they are appointed for Sheol, that is for for death, the grave, and it probably hints at more than than that, beyond the grave, uh, being apart from God, a position of no hope for somebody who's trusting in their wealth. Like sheep, they're appointed for Sheol. Death will be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. I don't know if you ever sometimes see a, uh, a lorry load of sheep or one of these trailers, you know, we've got several layers of sheep and uh, and I don't know if you ever look at that and you think, and, you know, I, I rather hope they're going to another field, you know, they've been taken to a different farm, but I, I suspect not. I suspect they're on, they're on their last journey as sheep somewhere. The Bible says that like sheep, we'll come to the end of our life. Our time will come up when we'll be, we'll be on our last journey. We'll be finishing Getting can't save. It can't save from our sins. It can't save us from death. The rich fool in the Bible, have you heard of the rich fool? He built bigger barns. He had lots of stuff. But the Bible says he was a fool. This, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. So, should life be about getting or about God. And getting can't save from sin or from death. Second point. Getting all goes. Getting all goes. You can't take what you get with you. It's so temporary. Verse 10 says, what happens to our wealth? For even the wise die, the fool and the stupid must alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Sometimes people are, are interested when a rich person dies and um, what their will is and you know, so how much how much has sort of been left as part of their estate to go on to others. I heard one good quote about this. The question was this what did he leave? And the answer everything. What did he leave? Everything. You can't take it with you. The lands around you, it says, might be named after you. You might have estates and streets which are named after you, but you leave them behind. 
They have gone to a different place. Verse 11, their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. So that book collection, that bank balance, all those games stashed away in the computer cupboard, the wardrobe of clothes, the sparkling new car on the driveway or perhaps more likely in the garage. You can't take it with you. 16 and 17 gives us a reason not to be in awe of rich people. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, for when he dies he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. The Bible says something similar in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6 and verses 6 to 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of the world. There's a saying I've come across which I thought was quite thoughtful, a, a shroud, that's what you put on somebody who, who's died, a shroud has no pockets. A shroud has no pockets. Can't take anything with you. All the stuff we're putting all the energy and effort in, maybe our life's totally about it, and it can't come with us. When the, the light of our life is switched off, it'll be useless. The dying words of Queen Elizabeth I, so we're on Queen Elizabeth II, Queen Elizabeth I, very wealthy, uh, influential woman, You know what her dying words were? All my possessions for a moment of time. All my possessions. And that was a lot. She didn't just have a cupboard and a a little bit of money stashed away in a piggy bank. All my possessions. All of them for a moment of time. In other words, it's, it's now hopeless. Can't do anything for me. Proverbs 23 talks about it in a picture way. Verse 4. Don't work hard to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. So should life be about getting or about God, when all the getting goes so quickly, just like that. Should life be about getting, or about God? The last point is this. God can save and overcome death. Well, you may think it is a little bit of a miserable um, um, a miserable song this morning that we're looking at. It's spoiling our enjoyment Um, making us think about the end of life, don't really want to think about the end of life. But the songwriter is not looking to make you miserable, he's looking for you to see things properly. He wants us to see things as we should see them. He wants you to have confidence in the right places, he wants you to have life taken up with the thing which is most important. And there is a verse that stands out 
Uh, it's very different from the sort of thing we've been hearing about. Often in the Bible you get a, a big verse that stands out which begins with the word but. But. Especially a but God. Uh, can you look at the psalm? Can you see a but God? In the psalm, can anyone see a but God? You can tell me the verse number if you can see it. Fifteen, thank you. But God, listen to this, but God will ransom my soul from the power of the grave, for he will receive me. So, our stuff can't save from sins or from death, but God can and will for those who put their trust in him. This is a good news psalm, really. It's getting you to look in the right direction. God can pay the price for what we need, but God will ransom. He'll pay the price for my soul to be delivered from the power of Sheol. Riches won't get you eternal life, but God can. And the believer can say, he will receive me. So when I die, all is not lost because God will receive me. And we heard about that in the children's talk. Jesus talked about the treasure on earth. We're prone to make treasure on earth, but there's a better place to have treasure. And he told us about it in Matthew 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this man knows that because he says, but God will ransom me from the power of the grave. You see, it's verse 15, which is the key verse of the psalm for us to focus on. How has God ransomed so that those who trust in him don't face the ongoing power of the grave? What price has he arranged to be paid which was enough when we couldn't pay with our bank balance and with our goods and with the things that we like? Well, the answer is an amazing answer. Jesus said himself, Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus' death on the cross is the ransom. He has paid the price for sins of those who put their trust in him. The guilt is taken away. The power of the grave is taken away. The power of death is taken away in Jesus who has paid the price on the cross. It's not our money that can save us. It's what Jesus did on the cross. So Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed, word again, from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, not what you get, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or without spot. So, if you want to live this life wisely, put your trust in God. 
not in your getting. If you want to be ready for the end of life, make sure you trust in Jesus who has paid the price rather than just being taken up with the things of this life which are so temporary and passing. Can you say verse 15? Can you say that? You might not put it in exactly the same words, but can you say that sort of thing from your heart? But God will ransom me from the power of the grave, for he will receive me. Is your confidence in God or in getting? What is life about for you? Getting or God? So you're young. Are you going to be setting off life in the right direction with life being about God and trusting him or getting? You're in the middle of life. Have you lost focus? Has what the Bible calls the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches taken over and blurred your focus? Are you really heading in the wrong direction in the middle of life? You have to say you're in the older years of life. You feel the end might not be too many years away. In fact, you've had a few shocks and a few jolts which have made you realise your mortality. How wonderful if you can say boldly, verse 15, but God will ransom my soul from the power of the grave, for he will receive me. What a thing to be able to say as you face the end of this temporary life. Is life then for you about getting or about God? We've got a closing song to help us think about this. Fits in very well. It's my worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. So this gets us to see life from somebody whose confidence is in God, not in getting. Let's stand to sing this song.
closing prayer. Oh Lord, we are, we find it easy to go wrong. We find it easy to be taken up with things and getting things. Over impressed by those who seem to have got lots. And we need the wisdom of your word as we've heard this morning to put things right in our mind. Help us Lord to be taken up with you as our main concern as what life is all about. We thank you that we do get things, we enjoy them, we're thankful for them, we praise you for them. But don't let them take over. Don't let them be our focus. Don't let them be our boast, our confidence and our treasure. Instead, Lord, we thank you that through knowing Jesus as Saviour, as our Redeemer, as our treasure, we can face the passing of life and the end of life with confidence because of what you've done through him. May we be in that position of placing our trust in him. Open our eyes this morning to see it that way. Perhaps for the first time we pray. In the name of of Jesus we ask. Amen.